Amen. You grew up in churches like I grew up in, and Jared asked you about five minutes before the church starts, do you think you could give us some swells on the cymbals? I definitely would do it. I'm not Eddie, but I enjoy that. Amen. How about the time of, of worship today? So thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for the presence of God in this earth that he came to rescue the lost. He came to rescue the undone. In spite of who I am, without God, I've been made perfect through him. My unrighteousness has been made right through God. And I'm thankful today that I can count on him when the world doesn't believe in me, when the world is against me, when the world gives me no hope, when the world says no, God says yes. He's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life. I experienced so many different seasons in ministry with folks, and I often preach that message of God having a plan for your life. And uh, there have been times, I guess, maybe that I have said it, and it's easily rolled off my tongue by way of habit, but I forget that I've got real people sitting in the chairs with real hurts and real struggles that feel far away from what it is that God has for them. Oh, I'm here to tell you today that if you diligently seek His face, the Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and seek me, that he will reveal himself to them. I'm excited this week to bring week number two of our guardrails series. I'm going to ask our media team to work closely with me because I wanted to finish up a few points that were with last week's sermon. And um, I usually get up here and the first thing I do is I rip up the old notes and throw them out so I don't get messed up. And then I realize I ripped up my old notes so I don't get messed up and threw out my old notes. But I didn't want to neglect a couple points from last week that I wanted to get to and then I will get to this week. So I want to re, uh, go over the scripture, the two scriptures that we had last week so we can kind of calibrate where we were last week and then get your minds going on this guardrail thing. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. I could preach on that all day. The flesh desires what is contrary to the capital S, spirit. And the spirit, capital S, that's God the Father living in, in your heart and your soul. Uh, it is contrary to the flesh. It wants to do the opposite. My flesh wants to do one thing, and I have the spirit of God living inside of me telling me to do another thing. That is good, that is right, that is loving, that is forgiving, you know, exhibiting those fruits of the Spirit that we find in, actually, in another part of Galatians 5, if you want to uh, check it out. Um, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want to do. It's not a set of rules that I can give you. If you're, if you're, if you're a new Christian or a new believer, you haven't been walking with God for very long, you might be thinking, well, what are those things that I'm not supposed to do? What are those things? Um, religion would give you a list of things that you should and should not do. Uh, uh, I've been in environments where they try to tell you what clothes to wear. I've been in environments where they try to tell you um, what your hair should look like, whether or not you should wear certain things on your face like, you know, makeup and things like that. Uh, that's religion. 
You can't do whatever you want to do. What are those things, Pastor Scott? I encourage you today that if you need those answers, to go back to the one you started your covenant with. His name is Jesus Christ. He will uh, speak to you. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. He will speak to you. Invite Christ into your heart to be the Lord of your life. Let him take over all of who you are. Let him lead you. Let him speak to you. And you will begin to then know what it is, uh, the difference between right and wrong as it relates to the things of God in your life. I can't tell you. I can tell you what has worked for me. I can tell you what I have seen work for others. But see, you have to be very careful because the deception of the enemy then wants to try to pinpoint a behavior that someone else does as if or someone else exhibits as if that is the thing then that makes you saved. It's very tricky. See, he wants to deceive and make you think that uh, um, um, there are a list of things. But you have to form a covenant. I've been married to my wife, I think, now for about 23 years. The older you get, your age and your birthdays and all that, they run together. But if I'm not mistaken, wave your hand back there to me, uh, my sweet love. If it, Yes, 23 it is. Um, Thank God. Thank you, Lord, for navigating me through that one. Yes, Lord. I do not want to get that wrong. Time flies when you're having fun. So I have learned what it is that uh, uh, makes her tick or the things uh, uh, that make her uh, move and do the things that she does. I've learned to uh, develop the covenant better than I used to. It takes years to uh, uh, work with and around one another to please. It is my desire to please her. So then I look for ways that I can uh, maybe exhibit some behaviors that is pleasing to her that I know would strengthen our covenant. It's the same with God. You can't do what you want to do, but you see, you have to rely on God to tell you what those things are in order that you can walk out the walk and talk out the talk and live the life on the divine path that God gave you. Can't tell you what to do. All I can tell you is when you get saved, you can't do what you want to do. Because if you do, that means that potentially you're going to disobey the voice of God. If you want to obey God, then yes, you could do what you want to do. But see, we're talking about the flesh here. The flesh is a wild thing. It's a wild thing. Let's move on to the next verse so we can get to some other points for this week. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, this is in Romans, Paul writing again, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us. The law meaning the law of man. Aroused by the law so that we bore fruit for death. That's the one that I told you last week stuck me kind of like uh, it never has before. That let me know that I'm going to be bearing fruit regardless of the situation. When I leave here today, I will bear fruit. I will bear the fruit of the Spirit, which are the nine fruit you find in Galatians, or I will bear fruit for death. It doesn't say that there's somewhere in between. The Spirit must be bigger than the flesh. You must develop the covenant, hear from God, invite Him into your heart, be the Lord of your life, God, less of me, more of you, and then you will begin to overcome those sinful passions. What is the next note that I had there? I hate to keep referring to the screen there. Physical guardrails. We talked a little bit about what they do. They, they, they let you know there's danger there. They, if you're driving down the highway and you see a guardrail, you know that something on the other side would not be good for you, for you should you breach 
the guardrail. I believe that I have a point in here about breaching the guardrails. Breaching the guardrail. So you have to be careful when you breach the guardrail that you know where the source of your help comes from to get back in line with the things of God in your life. You breach a guardrail, in real life, you would call 911. You would check to see if everything is all right. You would start to do some things that have to do with your safety to get you back on the path that you were on before you breached it. It's the same way in your, physic, in your spiritual walk with God. You will breach spiritual guardrails at time. Why? We don't have to flip back to the two scriptures because your sinful nature is always in conflict with the spirit that lives within you. There are times that you will give in to the sinful nature. That doesn't mean you abuse grace. That means that you then get to be privy to the gift of grace that you don't deserve. And then therefore that gift of grace should be so great that you shouldn't want to do that anymore because you want to please God because the gift is so good. Does that make sense to you? Say yes. Breaching the spiritual guardrail. When you breach the spiritual guardrail, uh, what is the next one on there? Because I definitely want to talk about collateral damage. Uh, do I have this next point or am I straight into this week? All right. Go back to the other one. Breaching the guardrail. When you breach a guardrail, you have to assess the damage. Anytime that I have seen people breach spiritual guardrails, there is always 100% of the time collateral damage. Other things that have been affected by breaching the guardrail. Let's talk about them from a spiritual standpoint now. I could do things in my life today that not only would violate the covenant that I have with God, that he's got me on this path. He's got some guardrails in my life. And you saw what the next one we're going to talk about here in a minute. He's got some guardrails in my life. And I breach one of those guardrails because I make a decision in the flesh. I know better. God is in my heart. He teaches me. He tells me. He talks to me. I pray to God. We've got a relationship. When I breach the guardrail, just about every single time I know I'm getting ready to breach this guardrail. And what happens is you hurt yourself and you hurt people and things around you, it's actually a very, um, I'll say this the only way that I know how, breaching guardrails sometimes can be a very selfish thing because it just satisfies the inner self and the flesh. So out of that selfishness then hurts people and things around you. So not only is it good for you to keep you on the divine path, God has a path for your life. I see many people living I see this many times, maybe more than not. I'm not sure. I see people living just on the other side of a guardrail, and they just live their life all the way down that whole path. They didn't quite fall all the way off and breach it, but they riding right along that guardrail, never living out the destiny and plan that God has for their life. For me, it's usually just been based out of hard-headedness. I want to do what I want to to do. And you can't do that. So keep in mind, when you're talking about guardrails, you're not just affecting yourself and your own walk with God. You're affecting the others around you. And it hurts. It can hurt. Collateral damage can be very, very far-reaching, damaging. Imagine the collateral damage as the shepherd of this church, 
If I were to engage in some sort of moral failure that is not pleasing to God, the amount of collateral damage that would take place, the great responsibility of trying to, to lead and preach and be a shepherd and stay in line with the things of God, knowing that most people probably uh, 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 unfairly hold me to some standard that's incapable for humanity to even live at. See, I'm just like you. I'm just answering my call. Hmm. The critical ones, you know, the one that's not answering the call. They'll be the first one to be critical. Come on now. So now, it's time to get into this week's notes. I know I sped through some of those points that I wanted to make. And my intention up to this point has been to just simply accentuate or highlight the need for guardrails. The need for guardrails in a believer's life. If you're a non-believer, or as a non-believer, this idea can be foreign because you're just kind of always out doing your thing. Pursuing your dreams and your time, and nothing else matters. I abandon a lot of the dreams that I had in life to pursue my calling in life. The dreams that I dream now used to not be my dreams. And the dreams that I dreamed before were not bad dreams about my life and about God's plan for my life. And those of you that, that know that, you know that there's kind of two Scott Fussneckers that exist. Back in the day, I was coach. I was fuss. I was, I was, I was a PE teacher. I, all I wanted to do was accomplish things in the athletic world and influence kids, right? See them be successful. See them do their thing. Celebrate together. And then God led me to some other paths professionally. And then finally, he said, I expose you to all of that because actually I'm calling you to do this, which is to be a pastor of Foundation Community Church. So all of my prior experiences and my hopes and dreams, I could have said no to this. You see, and when you say no, you still get to go to heaven. Just because you say no doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Religion would tell you that when you say no, that, you know, there's a place called hell and this and that, and there is, but a place uh, uh, called hell is reserved for people that don't accept Christ as their Savior. You see, you're going to spend a place in two places eternally, one of two places, either heaven or hell. And because you say no to certain things doesn't automatically mean that you spend eternity in that place called hell. You could be a believer. I could have said no, but I said yes. And when I said yes, I had to make some sacrifices. God began to put some other guardrails up in my life. You're going to say yes? All right, then. This guardrail's got to go up because you'll breach that guardrail and you'll start to be, uh, you'll have a tendency to, to, to want to be attracted to the, the dreams and goals of the flesh. Stay with me now because I'm going somewhere. A believer, uh, uh, this idea is difficult to grasp because the habits of your life have not been dealt with. You are forgiven, but now being fully devoted is a whole new concept in your life if you're a new believer. Fully devoted. If you are fully devoted, you will have guardrails, and that is the bottom line. When you decide to devote yourself to God, you're accepting the fact that He is going to provide some things, some guardrails, some discernment, some knowledge about things that should or shouldn't be in your life, and it is 
your, uh, uh, it should be your Christian goal, if you want to have uh, uh, accelerate in your walk with God, that you stay within those boundaries and guardrails. It's the spirit that lives inside of you. It's the voice that speaks to you. The difficulty with this is, I believe it's John 10, 10, says that the enemy is a liar, the devil is a liar, and he's actually the father of all the lies. So any lie that there is, it's all born out of the deception of the enemy and the presence of evil in the world. That when you become saved, you now belong to another kingdom and you can overcome that deception. But you've got to stay within the guardrails that God places in your life if you want to live out the purpose and plan for your life. We dig deeper and go beyond just the need for spiritual guardrails and talk about specific areas in your life that may be required. We'll get to that in just a second. I want to read for you a scripture that comes from the book of Matthew 26, 41. You always hear this scripture quoted. I did not know that the red letters would come out like that on that screen, so I hope you can still see them. We always want to bounce right to the second part. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We don't like to talk about the top part, about watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And if you watch when you're driving to your destination, if you watch where you're stepping as God lights the lamp unto your feet in your pathway, it's not always big bright headlights. I know sometimes I like to ride with my brights on, right? I can see what's coming. Walking with God is not always like that. In fact, not only is it not always your bright lights on, it's not even your headlights on. It's your little lamp unto your feet. It's your fog lights on. He doesn't show you everything at once. I contend it's because we'd have just enough fear not to live out the plan and purpose in our life because what God has for us is so big that if he showed it, so if he showed it all to you, your shame and guilt would get to you and you wouldn't think you're enough, so you'd turn and walk away. That's good preaching. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch where you're going. Watch where you're walking. Watch what you say yes to. Watch what you say no to. Watch what is on the horizon so that you can see what it is that God has for your life and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Why? Because although that spirit is willing, your flesh will give in to things when you should not. This tells me at some point in time in my Christian journey, guardrails will come into play. I need guardrails just like you. I'm just like you. I got to move along because I just got to move along. I don't want to talk about being just like you. Y'all would think, man, you think like that sometimes? I am flesh and human. I have weaknesses. I want to move along to Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It's a little bit before the verse that I just read you. There's a lot of implications in this verse. And I think most of the time it's dogmatically, religiously misinterpreted and only correlated to one thing, and that's whether or not you get into heaven. There are some implications in this verse that talk about that. But this verse is not just for whether or not you just get inside the thresholds of the gates of heaven. It's for daily living as well. Enter through the narrow gate. These are red letters, by the way. 
For those of you that don't know, that's Jesus talking. Some of y'all over there are thinking right now, like, I'll be doggone. The red letters is Jesus. Yes, man. The red letters is Jesus. It's New Testament letters. You won't find red letters in the book of Job. You're thinking, daggone, is that how you say that? No, it's the book of Job. It's the book of Job, y'all. And Nehemiah is a dude. Don't do like I do and become a preacher one day. About 15, 20 years ago, I discovered as I'm reading, man, Nehemiah is a dude. I thought that was a chick's name. Come on. So the red letters, that's Jesus talking. Enter through the narrow gate, and he saved a wrench like me, just like you. Yeah, I knew a dude one time, man. He said, God saved a wrench like me. We had to tell him, hey, dog, man, that's wretch. It's a wretch like me. It's like last week when I said I needed some water. I was feeling perched, and I thought, now I'm educated. I know I ain't perched. That's got something to do with a bird. On the perch, perching the bird is on the perch. But I was parched. I needed some water. Let's get back to the scripture. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. Somebody say wide. Wide is the gate, and broad is the road. There ain't no guardrails on this one. Doing whatever you want to do. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. You're headed for self-destruction. I know y'all don't know that song. You can look it up later and read it. Listen to it. The broad is the road that leads to self-destruction. And many people, they enter into that road. Implications for today, doing what you want to do. Don't care about what the Spirit says. Just going to do what you want to do. That's why so many church houses a lot of times on Sunday morning is empty because people do what they want to do. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Let's get to the next one. Enter through the narrow gate. Guardrail. The gate that's got the guardrails. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. We got one more. Is that it? Here we go. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Leads to life. So when you obey guardrails, you experience life. The Bible says you experience life through Christ and experience it more abundantly. I used to not know what pressed down, shaken together, and running over meant. But I knew in the church that I grew up with, man, if the preacher got preaching about pressed down, shaken together, and running over, people was going to shout about it. But then I really learned what it meant to press something down, right? It's like when you, uh, maybe when you were little, I know kids don't rake leaves for money anymore, but look, man, kids, people used to rake leaves for money. I know y'all don't understand anything about that now. We got all kind of things. So anyway, when you're raking the leaves and you put them in the bag and you just leave it alone, it's a lot more space in the bag than initially you thought, right? Because they stack up. So what do you have to do? You got to press it down, shake it together, get it down. And you think, ooh, there's a whole lot more space in the bag to get more things in. So it's correlated to the blessings in your life. Press down, shaking together, so much so you get so much blessings that it actually starts overrunning and overflowing in your life. That's something to say yes about. Small is the gate, narrow is the road, the guardrails, that leads to life. 
You've got to obey the guardrails that God is putting in your life. I've got many guardrails in my life. Many, many, many guardrails. They're all in my life in areas where, where God knows I will be weak. He puts guardrails up for me. Guardrails are good. Only few find it. That means that it's very, 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 very hard to live, in, live within the parameters of the guardrails all times, every day, all day, without the help of God. Now, if you ultimately don't find it, yes, there's eternal implications to this. But I know that this is New Testament, and that is Jesus, and he's giving me guidance on how to live with spiritual guardrails in my life. There's a couple things about this verse that are not debatable. There's a wide gate that many people enter through due to unholy, reckless living. More than likely, the type of living that's void of spiritual guardrails. And there is a narrow gate that some people find, and that gate leads to life. I sum that up in those two statements there. The narrow gate leads to life, and the wide gate leads to destruction. Romans 6 and 23 tell us what that looks like. We pay wages for living outside the guardrails. We pay wages for not obeying God. In Romans 6, 23, I don't know if I have it there. Nope, I don't. For the wages of sin is death. Now, go back one, one. Oh, there it is. The road that leads to life. The gate is narrow. It leads to life. When you breach the guardrails, when you don't listen and you want to live life outside the divine path on the road that God made for you, you will sin and you will disobey, and for that you will gain a wage. The Bible says the wages of that type of living is death, not life, not pressed down, shaking together, running over more abundantly above and not beneath and all those things, but the wages of the way that you live is death, not physical. We're not physical beings. We're housed in a physical body. We are spiritual beings. And the wages of disobedient living outside the guardrail is death of the spirit. Each time that you sin, a little bit of you dies. Each time that you sin, a little bit of you deteriorates. The good news is we can pray to be forgiven. All you have to do is run back to the Father. And pray to be forgiven that the next time he illuminates the guardrail in your life, rather than disobeying, you will obey and experience life rather than death. Guardrails. Let's talk about one of them. I believe it's the most important one of all. And I'll call it the heart guardrail. The heart guardrails. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, my daughter, my child, pay attention to what I say. This book of Proverbs, by the way, is written by one of my very favorite writers in the, in, in, in the book of the Bible. 
It's written by Solomon. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Proverbs. He wrote those three books. They're coming from a very wise man. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Hold on. Now I could have, let's see, Matthew 26 and 41. Watch and pray. Remember the scripture? Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. Do not let them out of your sight. Watch and pray. Keep them within your heart. Keep them within your heart for they are life. Watch and pray. Do not let them out of your sight. The wages of sin is death but you have life in Christ, for they are life to those who find them, the ways of Christ, within the guardrails. They are life, not death. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Body, mind, spirit. Above all else, guard your heart Heart guardrails. Guard your heart for everything. This is the part right here that, it, that, that got me. For everything you do flows from it. It's all a matter of the heart. If you allow for guardrails to be placed around your heart, everything else somehow seems to work out for your good. This verse tells us that our behaviors are born from the inside out. When I see you do things that I know are not pleasing to God, it didn't start on the outside. It starts on the inside. Everything flows from the heart, which is why we always say, give your heart then to God. If everything flows from the heart and God is all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, knows everything, He has the future in His hands, your future in His hands, why wouldn't you then give that heart from which everything flows back to the one that made you? Why wouldn't you then give that heart back to Him so that He can put you on the divine path that you were made for? Give it all back to Him. You can't fix it on your own. I've tried. Turn that heart back over to God. You must be born again so that you're able to take the external messages of life that you perceive. When you leave here today, you're going to start to perceive things and you will be able to spiritually meditate on it because of the parameters and the guidelines and the guardrails of your heart in order that what flows from your heart will be pure. When I take things in, I put it in the spiritual blender, right? The spiritual, I, I, I apply it to my heart within the guardrails. I don't, I don't let my heart get stony, the Bible says. Philippians 4 and 8 says it this way. When you meditate on things like that, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure. Oh, Lord, did you have to keep listing them out like this, Paul? My heart can't take no more. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, whose report will you believe was the song they used to sing back in the day. I will believe the report of the Lord. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think 
on these things. Allow for your heart to inform your intellect so that then you obey the things that you physically do will be things of God. Does that make sense? Did you make the connection? If it flows from the heart, turn your heart over to God. Meditate on these things. Think on these things. Let that heart inform your intellect so that your intellect then tells your physical body what to do, say, and think. You will live a Christ-like life. Not doing what you want to do. Stand with me if you would.